What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and I'm kind of an idiot sometimes. I worked all weekend, which is why you guys didn't see a video from me on Saturday and Sunday. I was working on a Dynasty Rankings update for the Patreon. The issue is, I was going to finish up Monday night, and it hit me. It's NFL Free Agency Week. Everybody is changing hands this week. We have Rashad Penny going to the Eagles. You have Miles Sanders changing from the Eagles wherever he's going to go. Waller traded to the Giants. Alan Lazard to the Jets. Jacoby Myers to the Raiders. A million pieces are moving around. So a Dynasty Rankings update this week makes no sense. I had planned for this week as well a Dynasty Trade Targets video for you guys. I was going to do like a top 12 tier list for wide receivers or running backs based on my Dynasty Rankings. But that's not going to happen now. So we're pushing all of that forward. I just decided, you know what, if it's going to be free agency, players are going to move around. Of course, we'll do streams and we'll talk about sort of what is happening, where players are going, how it affects their dynasty value. But for the sake of a video, right, I could record a video right now. I don't even know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if he's going to be a Jet, if he's going to be a Packer, if he's going to retire, if he's going to be the Jeopardy host. We truly don't know. So there's so many changing factors right now, like almost making videos about veterans doesn't make sense at all. So we're just going to talk rookies for the rest of the week. We're going to finish up. Our model series here, I guess you want to call it, we talked through wide receivers and running backs last week, went through my model, how the RS grades work, and we're going to do that same thing for tight ends today. I've been working really, really hard. You guys know that we already had running back, quarterback, wide receiver models, but we didn't have one for tight ends. So today, I'm going to showcase to you guys what the tight end model looks like, how it works, things that I learned while building it, all of that good stuff, and then we're going to go through my top five rookie tight ends as of today along with the athletic and production-based comps that the model spits out for them. So if all of that sounds interesting, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, try to choose. I mean, I know I'm critical. Now, as always, I will have all of this stuff on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, which is where you can go get my dynasty rankings. Well, the dynasty rankings are going to update now after free agency, but I did do a rookie rankings update, my top 48 Superflex tight end premium rookie rankings there. You have my RS grades now for tight ends dating all the way back to 2007, along with this 2023 class. You have all the 2023 RS grades. You have everything dating back to 2007, my rankings, exclusive channels, a million things going on in there. So, so make sure you check out patreon.com slash ron stewart now in terms of what we're doing today we talked about it in the intro we are going to talk through this tight end prospect model that i built now i just want to put a big fat disclaimer here i put this together in a couple to a few weeks it's not perfect i'm going to be tweaking it next offseason and really dialing it in but i think it's a really really nice starting point i think it's a good starting point it's headed in the right direction we're going to build on it as we go here okay so the way that my tight end model works the same way as the rest of the rs grades which if you don't know what those are rs grades ron stewart grades i take into account production athleticism etc all of that stuff and i grade all of it on a zero to ten scale and then you get a gpa for each player pretty much called the rs grade on a zero to ten scale ten being the best bet at giving us high point per game totals over the first three years of a tight end's career so specifically what is actually going into these grades. And I want to break it down for you guys, starting all the way from the top with film. Film is a 41% input in this model. And I think right off the bat, I got to be honest with you guys, 
I think 19% for Lance line grades is too high. I think it's too high. I think it should probably be more like a four to one ratio. Like it should probably be something more like, uh, you know, 25% to 10% or like 30% to 10%. But that's just kind of how things looked good this time around. Again, we're going to tweak things. Uh, but this is the film aspect part of the model. We have draft capital, which is a 22% input. Teams are, you know, doing most of their scouting on the tape. They're watching on the projector. Uh, and then we also have land zero line grades. <clears throat> now, these are essentially draft capital, but I kind of like them as much as draft capital. As you guys can see here, like when I was like messing around with the inputs and stuff, like I just kept cranking up Lanzier line grades and things were coming out a little bit better. And my theory on that is I think that Lanzier line, while he's not grading these players for fantasy, of course, he's been on record a million times saying that this is for if I was an NFL front office, but it seems like there's a little bit of a skew there where he's not grading blockers well. So, Tight end blockers might get drafted highly in the NFL draft, but I don't think Lance and his grades really, I'm not going to say that he doesn't care about blocking a ton, but I don't think it's as big as an input as it is for the NFL. So that's why I find his grades so helpful in the model. Now, both draft capital and Lance zero line grades are about 0.4 R squared. Also, every player drafted before Lance zero line did grades like pre-2014 their draft capital is just doubled. It's essentially the same thing. I just think Lance Zierlein's uh, grades versus draft capital is a little bit more fantasy skewed, but I do get the idea that we probably just want to bet on draft capital instead. I might bring that input a little bit down. Now, the next part we have is not production, but it's athleticism at 28.5%. I think, hold on. All right, so I actually had the wrong graphic here. This is an updated graphic. It's pretty much the same thing. I think it just split off age profile from production. So our next category here is athleticism at 28.5% of the model. And I found that athleticism is actually more important than production when it comes to tight ends. It's really, really important that if you're a tight end, that you are athletic. And agility score is actually the biggest input for me at 15.5%. We want lateral athletes at tight end, guys who can make people miss and just overall a way that shows big guys that can move, right? We want big guys with some wiggle to them. But sounds weird, but we want guys that, you know, are light on their feet, you know, ballerina dancers at 265 pounds. Those are guys that look like George Kittle. Those are guys that look like, I'm trying to think of the other, like, really standout agility guys. George Kittle really popped there. Uh, I think Aaron Hernandez popped a little bit in the agility stuff. I think as well, uh, Noah Fant, even though Noah Fant hasn't really panned out. But you want guys that are agile, and agility score is just the sum of the 20-yard shuttle and the three-cone time. The lower, the better. Now, we also have height-adjusted speed score. Next biggest input for us at 12%. If you aren't nimble or nimble laterally, you can make up for it by being big and fast in a straight line. So this is kind of a guy like Gronk where his agility drills weren't great Gronk, but he's this massive, massive athlete with really good speed, and that pops for him. So you want to either be really agile, or you want to be big and fast. Both of those things together, bonus points at that point. And then we have a really small slice here, 1% for relative athletic score. I know this is a huge input for a lot of other people. It just didn't help a ton. I saw agility score and speed score were much better for me. And I just think that the first two do a better job at separating special athletes. And relative athletic score, it takes into account so much of size that it almost just like rewards really big bodies despite not being super athletic. Like a guy like TJ Hawkinson, 
who we all know at this point. Like, I think he ran like a 4.7. He's not like this mega, mega athlete. He got like a 9-plus RAS while Mark Andrews, uh, I believe, ran like a 4.67 or maybe like a heavier weight and was in like the 7th relative athletic score. So I don't love it for tight ends. I use it more to classify tight ends into archetypes. And this is a really cool idea from a good friend of mine, uh, Ian, at Dynasty underscore I am on Twitter. And he came up with an idea where he not only does this with tight ends, he does it with quarterbacks, he does it with running backs. Uh, I think it's really cool the way that he's sort of built on the idea of archetypes in fantasy, where we've had like alpha wide receivers and, you know, like satellite wide, uh, running backs, but we haven't really shifted that over to tight end. He has done a really cool thing where he has bucketed them, where he has this thing called a freak, which means that their relative athletic score is 9.25 or better. Height adjusted speed score there is a 110 or better. Uh, then he has gifted RAS of 7.25 plus, height adjusted speed score of 100 plus, and then everybody else falls into that next bucket. I tweaked the definition ever so slightly, but it's pretty much the same thing. And these are tight ends here, sorted by all time in my database, uh, points per game in their first three seasons. I think, first of all, it's just really cool to look at. Um, like, you don't really think how good Evan Ingram has really been. Where Evan Ingram, like, was, I mean, what, he got, like, a, a, a pretty low contract from the Jaguars, like, prior to this season, I'm saying. Even though, in terms of, like, his first three seasons... He was historically good. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty rare to average 10-plus points per game in your first three years as a tight end, right? You don't get on the field early, all of that. He's right in the mix with Kelsey, Mark Andrews, all of these guys. You have Gronkowski just absolutely blowing out the field. Jimmy Graham's up there. Surprisingly, Jordan Reed's up there. People forget how good he was in his first few years. George Kittle, Aaron Hernandez, say what you, say, say what you want about Aaron Hernandez, but, you know, outside of the off the field, like weird things he had going on. Absolute stud. Like think about it this way. Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski were in the exact same draft class in 2010. And yet they are both top five in points per game through their first three years. So if anybody out there tells you whether it's two tight ends on a team or three wide receivers on a team, there is never too many mouths to feed. If you are talented, you are going to score fantasy points. Of course, on the extremes, you know, you have guys like Michael Turner sitting behind. I want to say LaDainian Tomlinson. Like, of course, uh, Talent isn't always going to rise to the top, but I just find it really interesting, especially at tight end, uh, that they were able to do that. Uh, you also have like Mark Andrews up there, Eifert. It's an interesting list to look at. You don't really process in your head kind of like what tight ends look like through their first three seasons. But the more important part I wanted to show you guys was the archetype tab, where Freak is for the monsters, right? Gronk, Jimmy Graham, these like 6'5 plus mega athletes, George Kittle as well. Absolute freak in terms of like agility and just going crazy uh, at the combine. Kelsey fits in there. Noah Fant, of course. Greg Olson, OJ Howard. Then you have Athletic. These are guys who can still move, right? Evan Ingram, Athletic. Like, some of these guys can move, but they're a little bit undersized, right? Evan Ingram's undersized. Aaron Hernandez undersized. Mark Andrews can move, but he's not quite super, super athletic. Uh, Hawkinson's in that area as well. Julius Thomas, that's a name that I forgot about. Um, what well, he had that run with the Broncos during uh, Peyton Manning's big year. And then you have possession, which are just like the way that I would describe possession is Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, a guy who put up, you know, 100, I don't know if he hit 100 catches, but you know, those like PPR type seasons where he's not going to give you 15 touchdowns and like 18 yards per reception like Gronk could in his prime, but you know, 90 plus catches, six touchdowns and a top three tight end finish very much in the range. Same thing with a guy like Jordan Reed, same thing with a guy like Hunter Henry, uh, to a lesser extent, Hunter Henry really, but you guys get the gist here. Now, our next input, and I actually didn't mean to take this off the screen yet, um, this one. 
Now, we also have production. And I know it sounds funny, but production might be like the most overrated aspect for tight ends. It's just 22.5% of my model, and it's really tough, right? We have just 6% of the model actually accounting for like year over year. Like career yards per reception is not like a counting stat. It's more of an efficiency stat. SRS we'll get into in a second here. You really just have points per game and receiving yard market share making up like 6% of the model, and that's truly it. The rest is draft capital. The rest is uh, athleticism. Now, when we talk about our biggest input, our biggest input isn't even production. It's SRS, and SRS, it's literal definition here, simple rating system, a rating that takes into account average point differential and strength of schedule. The rating is denominated in points above slash below average where zero is average. And this is an input in most of my models, and it's simply just we want to make sure we're, we're rewarding the big school guys, guys who came in, had the pedigree, high ratings uh, coming out of high school, went to the big school, and maybe they didn't produce early, but maybe that was because they were behind really good tight ends, right? It's hard to get on the field. Like, I think uh, Noah Fant didn't get on the, or I think George Kittle, uh, you know, and like Noah Fant kind of like split snaps and stuff like there's a lot more that goes into it, especially with tight end where, I don't know, you could get used in weird schemes. At the end of the day, we want the guys who played for the good teams. It's really all it comes down to, guys who played tough schedules on good teams, competing with better athletes, all of that, and discounting, you know, our small school mega producers, but not to the point where they're not relevant, right? Dallas Goddard uh, still grades out pretty well in the model, and I think Adam Troutman doesn't look terrible either. Uh, after SRS, we have career yards per reception, which is really more of an efficiency stat, and I was surprised to see that it was actually a really, really strong stat. And we talked about this earlier with Zach Ertz. It's pretty rare to see a tight end put up like 100 plus receptions, unless if you're, you know, at the top of your game and just give you super high target share seasons, kind of like wide receivers. At tight end, I'm a firm believer you kind of need efficiency to make up for it. And it comes down to either having a high A dot or a high yak. Both work. If we talk about guys in the NFL, I believe George Kittle is an absolute yak monster. And on the other hand, Mark Andrews isn't really going to make you miss or he's not going to rack up missed tackles forced, but he's among the league leaders at tight end in ADOT. So a lot of these guys that give you those massive, massive ceilings in fantasy, yes, maybe they give you 100 plus catches, but I think more likely for tight end is they have a really high ADOT. So they're giving you, you know, yards per target type efficiency, uh, yards per catch type efficiency, and then yards after the catch, right? A guy who could make people miss and is just a special athlete in space. That's also very valuable at tight end. And when I took a look at it, it graded out really well. Here is the career yards per reception of a bunch of the biggest studs and then having them next to the 2023 class. And it's especially important for athletic tight ends to do well in yards per reception. You know, a guy like TJ Hawkinson or whatever, he's not going to blow you away in yards per reception. But a guy like, or especially like Cole Komet as well would fit in there, but a guy like Mike Gusecki, who is a combine warrior, he has an elite agility score, elite speed score. He should be ripping off, you know, 15 plus yards per reception every catch. But he's out here at 11.5, and that's a massive, massive red flag. I might build something in next year where it takes into account like your athleticism, projects an eight or projects a yards per reception for that player, and then kind of use over and under, right? Because if Cole Komet puts up 11.5 yards per reception, that's fine. We know he's not a crazy athlete. That's already to be expected, but it should be a huge red flag when you have a guy like Mike Gusecki who is like ultra, ultra athletic and his yards per reception is that low. So 
I can't think of any numbers off the top of my head, but there are a lot of guys just in the NFL in general that test like absolutely crazy at the combine and then come into the NFL and, you know, between the lines of playing between like 10 to 20 yards, they don't pop the same way they do at a combine when you're playing at game speed. I think that that's a rare instance, but it is something to look towards, especially at tight end. Athleticism matters a ton. These players actually need to be athletic when they're on the field, not just in underwear in Indianapolis, you know? So we see, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but it checks out for Darnell Washington. Freak athlete, 17.2 yards per reception. You see him next to a bunch of those big names. Waller at 19. Dolchich, not even a big athlete or a mega athlete or anything, but 17.6 yards per reception sort of absolutely put us on uh, to him last year. Gronkowski at 16 yards per reception. That's great. Really anything over like 15 is great or anything over like 14 is great. Kelsey's there, Pitts is there, Kittle, Andrews, all of that. We have the 2023 guys, Luke Musgrave and Kincaid are like fine at 13 plus. May are not great, but again, we were kind of, uh, he kind of comes in as like a Hawkinson type where we're not really expecting him to be a monster. Uh, a little bit concerning for Laporta there at 11.7 as well. Someone that tested a lot better. Uh, not really a freak with the ball in his hands. Uh, again, just 6% of the model though. So this isn't, you know, everything in terms of this model. It's just a 6% input, but I found that it's a really good indicator. Now, after that, we also have that 6% going towards our counting stats of points per game and receiving yard market share. So our first stat, we have experience adjusted points per game, which sounds like a weird stat, but it's literally uh, what we're solving for anyways, right? I'm solving for the amount of points per game a tight end is putting up in their first three seasons. So why wouldn't points per game in college matter? So I take every tight end that has had 12 plus points per game in the NFL. By the way, I actually didn't, I should have mentioned that. When I'm looking for hit rates with these guys, all the other position groups, you'll see me do, you know, percentage of top 12 season, percentage of top 24. At tight end, we know there are scrubs slipping into that top 12 uh, point per game for tight end stuff. So what I did is I looked at like point per game seasons for tight ends since I think like 2007. And I found what the average point per game was for a top 12 tight end in fantasy. So we could get sort of a baseline and it's roughly 12 points per game. So 12 points per game isn't going to be on the low end, but it's a nice average of like the whole spectrum. So 12 plus points per game should probably get you into like the top six conversation at tight end, which is good. That's probably what we want to be gunning for 12 plus points per game. So I find out what did they average in points per game in college in year one, year two, year three, year four. I set thresholds. I charted out for prospects in terms of tight ends, and I measure over or under expected in terms of those thresholds, average them all together. And that's how you get your average experience adjusted points per game over expected. It's a mouthful, but it's not that complicated. And then I also take their peak. So their best season, their most dominant point per game season, and what they have over an entire season. Then I have the same thing for receiving yard market share, but instead of experience adjusting it, I adjust it for age. So age 19, age nine, uh, 20, 21, or age 18, 19, 20, 21, instead of year one, two, three, four. Just a way to get a different angle on it. Uh, and you might feel like I'm underweighting production, right? Just 6% of the model is actual like counting type stats here. But again, like if I, I put all of the tight ends that I have giving us 17 plus points per game, 17 plus is like a top three tight end season. And it's just like, I don't really know how to describe it as much as it's just, it's not that that production doesn't matter all the way, but it's just like, man, like tight end production 
is not the holy grail. Like these are all of the tight ends in my database with 17 plus point per game, uh, or like around there. They're just the studs in my database. We look at their production. And in terms of being above those thresholds, all we have is Mark Andrews, one out of those three years above. Gronk's the perfect prospect. He was, you know, above in two years. You have Jordan Reed, only above one of three. Zachert's only above in one of three. Jimmy Grant, above in none. Travis Kelsey, uh, above in one of three. So we're talking in terms of getting above that dotted line in terms of the threshold. So if you follow just the production, you're going to chase yourself down a rabbit hole of like, Eric Ebron's and there's a lot of guys that are like stat sheet warriors that like Jason Morrow go look up Jason Morrow stats in the big 12 so of course everything's inflated but that dude had like 1200 receiving yards in his final year at Texas A&M I, I know the Jets absolutely fell uh, head over heels for him it was truly truly insane and you would think to yourself like how could this guy not be good I'm telling you guys 13 games 106 catches 1352 yards and seven touchdowns in his final year now, only 12.8 yards per reception. I'm telling you, it's a pretty good indicator there. Um, it's just wild, man. These tight ends can absolutely throw up numbers in college, and it doesn't really guarantee much at the next level. Now, after that, we have our final. And I'm not discarding it completely. Of course, it's a factor in the model. Uh, I'll look into maybe putting more production metrics in next year. Maybe look around. I've, I saw a stat uh, Dwayne McFarlane used I thought was really, really cool. It was route per team drop back. I don't know how much data there is on that but that is just the percentage of routes your tight end is taking part in ideally we want guys who are out there running routes as much as possible not being shoehorned into a blocker role so maybe i'll look into that as well but that's not really necessarily like production right uh just in terms of like counting stats and receiving yards and all that i didn't really find anything that really stuck all that crazy now our final input is age profile that's just early declared draft age uh matters slightly but not a ton I will say, like, don't think this as the same way as wide receivers that we want, like, you know, 21-year-old early declares. You don't really, like, anything that's, like, 23 and younger is fine. You have to remember a lot of these guys, like, especially the, the position converts, like, I don't know why I said converts, so weird, but you're talking about, like, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, these guys playing college ball. Uh, by the way, March Madness is on. I think, I, I want to say Antonio Gates made a Final Four with Kent State and put it dropped, like, 20 in a loss to Indiana. Um, fact check me on that. Anybody out there that likes you know, March Madness, college basketball stuff. But a lot of those basketball guys, like a lot of tight ends, like Travis Kelsey, I know that he talks about all the time, but he was like getting in trouble off the field. Uh, a lot of things go on with tight ends. I think Gronk like was hurt in his last year and then got drafted like late. So a lot of guys slip in the draft. A lot of guys come out late. It's really just, I saw like 24 years old and older is really the biggest problem. Everything else is weighted the same, but you don't want to come in 20, you don't want to come in 24, 25, 26. That's your Hayden Hurst's. That's your Brandon Pettigrews, like guys, tight end, you need time to develop. And if you're already coming in super, super old, it's a little bit of an issue. So all of these factors come together and spit out on a scale of zero to 10 RS grades. So when we look at our sample, just to kind of see what the RS grades look like on screen, uh, or just, you know, in my database, this is, again, from 2021 to 2017, and you'll see Kyle Pitts is up top, but there are no elite, there are no legendary tiers like we saw uh, earlier, and I'll actually put that, I'll put this up real quick so you can kind of see what the tiers actually mean, but building this model, you kind of figure out tight end is an absolute crapshoot. I showed you guys earlier, the production stuff, like production doesn't matter, uh, draft couple doesn't really matter a ton, like, you know, 
Eric Ebron was drafted top 10. Hawkinson was drafted eighth, and he's not like a game-altering, you know, Travis Kelsey-type guy. All of the top tight ends as well. Like, it's not even like draft capital can save you because you're looking up at the top tight ends. Kelsey, round three. Gronk, round two. Uh, Mark Andrews, round three. George Kittle, like, round five. Darren Waller was a day three pick. Like, you really have to do some digging, like uh, Dallas Goddard round two. Like, none of these guys are, outside of Pitts, you know, like phenoms drafted in the top ten and are amazing because of that. So, the idea, to me, it's not going to be obvious with these guys, you know? Like, if Noah Fan and O.J. Howard weren't, like, top three dynasty tight ends at some point with, like, top three tight end finishes, there is no sure thing in the tight end space. Those guys, in terms of prospect profile, O.J. Howard, Alabama guy, played against top competition, produced next to absolute studs at the wide receiver position, speed score, crazy. Agility score, crazy. First round draft capital, 6'6 size. And all you got out of him was one 12-plus point per game season and eight points per game over his first three years. And Noah Fant is like tight end 20. And those guys are literally as good as it gets in terms of tight end prospects. First round draft capital, freak athletes, somewhat production, and you got nothing. So that is kind of what it boils down to with these guys. So the idea here is I'm not using the RS grades in the same way we're using the other ones. The other ones, we want the RS grades to pick us out, you know, the next Jamar Chase, the next uh, Saquon Barkley, which is, you know, the legendary tier and the elite, simply for tight ends. And it's not for rankings, right? You, you, you necessarily shouldn't have had, like, Noah Fant ahead of, like, Hawkinson or anything. But really what it comes down to is they're not going to tell us how to rank the tight ends, but just tell me the ones who are going to be good. Just group them up like essentially a, you know, a sand sifter. Just let me have the good one, good ones rise to the top, and I'll take the cheapest ones. We're looking here, sorted by RS grades, and you'll see everybody that's golden above has the 12-plus point-per-game seasons. They're far and few between because that's just how it is at tight end. The four 12-point-plus or the 12-plus point-per-game seasons are sorted to the top. The only one that it misses since 2017 is Dalton Schultz. Everything else, all of the 12-plus point-per-game scores have come from the gold tier. And the gold tier is just 6.64 plus RS grade, and 50% of golds in that area hit 12 plus points per game. And they average about eight points per game through their first three seasons, which is, you know, we saw that with like OJ Howard and Noah Fan. Not amazing, but it's a good thing to lock in, especially for guys that are like second round, third round types that, you know, fall into third. Again, these RS grades aren't going to find you the elite guys, they're not going to find you the Nes- the, you know, the Kelseys, the Andrews and all that. That's because those guys aren't weren't obvious, right? Those guys are probably late round rookie picks in dynasty, and that's kind of what this is. The golds, right? I just want a list of names that are in the gold tier or in the silver tier and I will just draft the cheapest one of each tier and probably call it a day at tight end. I will also say all seven tight ends in my database with 17 plus points per game are all gold. None of them were taken in the first round, and that's really what makes things so tricky. None of the guys who have 17-plus point-per-game seasons in my database were drafted in the first round. So it just makes modeling for this position so, so tough. We'll see if we can get an elite tier in here next offseason. We'll see if I can make something work, but it's just tough. Again, really what this matters, it does not matter about the RS grade. Don't say, oh, you know, Noah Fan better than uh, Mark Andrews. That's insane. Or Kittle. He was drafted in the first round. The way that I'm using these is not, you know, RS grade versus RS grade. It's really just tier versus tier. And then within each tier, 
just take the cheapest options in like the third round of rookie drafts and play it that way. So as a whole, we should probably be fading any tight end that the market is like overconfident in. The best values are probably the guys you take shots on late, right? Paying off for OJ Howard, Ebron, Fant, even Hawkinson. I don't think if you took Hawkinson, like probably like top 10 in that rookie draft, probably hasn't been a crazy return on that investment. It's just a tough bet to make. I, I think that you should just be, again, taking the ones that are in gold tier later on in the draft. Now, this is all good. The way we put a bow in terms of or bow on just in terms of what this all looks like is does it beat out draft capital? And it does. It beats out draft capital pretty handedly. Draft capital is 0.406 R squared. R squared is just on a zero to one scale. How much is your input predicting your output? The input being RS grade or draft pick, the or draft pick, the output being points per game in your first three seasons in the NFL. We beat RS grades in terms of versus draft pick, we beat that by 0.13, which is pretty damn good. I think it could be better. I'm going to strive to make it better. I would like for it to be better next offseason. But I think it's good for our first try. Uh, for our first try, again, can't stress enough. These are in the early, early stages. The tiers matter much more than the grades themselves. So with that being said, let's get into these top five rookie tight ends. Now, our tight end one here is going to be Michael Mayer and Michael Mayer comes out that is not Michael Mayer but Michael Mayer comes out pretty strong in the RS grades he's my tight end one for now just because draft capital is the highest uh in terms of like what we can really project here he's not ultra athletic but he gives you enough with a 4740 and an 8 plus RES he qualifies for athletic he essentially looks like Hawkinson he looks like first round draft capital Pat Fryermuth there's not a massive ceiling there, but the production is as good as it is. He has an A-plus in production score. By the way, I probably should have broken down what this even is that we're looking at here. These are rookie comps that my model spits out. We have the combine, which is just their height, their weight, 40 times speed score, agility score, relative athletic score. And then I take my model, and instead of having the RS grade, I dice up the RS grade. Uh, so you can kind of get a feel for what the inputs are. And you can see uh, film, which is, again, draft capital and zero line grade, production, size, speed, and agility. Michael Mayer has A-plus production, which does matter, right? We talked about it earlier. Like, production doesn't really matter for tight end, but I think in terms of finding comps, it does. Like, we, we ideally want to comp a guy like Michael Mayer to guys who are productive in, in college. And he has A-plus production. He's a lot to go in the first round. He is a fine athlete. I think Eifert is his absolute ceiling. Like, Eifert was a inch taller, two pounds heavier. He ran a faster 40 time. So... I don't really know if Eifer is in his range. It was good that he came in. He was supposed to be 6'4". He came in at 6'5", Michael Mayer. So he is interesting. He'll be my tight end one. But as I said earlier, like production isn't the, the end-all, be-all for tight ends. Nothing is a sure thing. So I won't really be pushing him into my first round of rookie drafts. I probably won't end up with a ton of him in rookie drafts. We have a lot of gold tight ends in this class. I am not going to spend up on Mayer if I can get the guys we're going to mention later on in this video, you know. 6 to 12 picks later, 6 to 12 picks after a guy like Michael Mayer. Uh, so if we look at Michael Mayer, he's already priced pretty crazy here. Uh, again, there's no sure things at tight ends. I can't say that it's super, super wild to have him at tight end 6. Like, I probably have him around, like, tight end, uh, probably right after Dolchich, like, tight end 9, tight end 10 in that area. I guess you could say there's some value insulation. Like, he'll probably hold that until his rookie year uh, if things don't go right then he probably drops down and down and down so there's some insulation there I just don't think I'll be buying 
at those prices, especially with how deep this tight end class is and how, you know, hit or miss we know tight end production can be just based off of like draft resume, prospecting, all of that. So our second tight end here is going to be Dalton Kincaid. Now he's tricky because he didn't test at the combine and I believe Utah's pro day is until like March 23rd. So he has a really wide range where we don't know if he's possession, athletic, if he's a freak. He comes in at 6'4", 246 pounds. So he can be anywhere from like Noah Fant, David Njoku, all the way through to like Zach Ertz. So we don't really know what the athleticism looks like. I don't watch tape, but I'm going to assume that he's a little bit more athletic uh, than a possession. His yards per reception looks good. He's a good bet to get first round draft capital at this point. He has an A-plus production grade. Everything looks good here. Draft capital looks good. Production looks good. We just need a really big input here in terms of athleticism. But from what I've seen, his yards per reception looks good. It seems like he's probably the next best bet after like Mayer, maybe Darnell Washington to get that first round draft capital. And he profiles as a receiving tight end that produced a ton. And that's really interesting. There's really not much more I can add on here without just kind of filling up space until he tests. So Stay tuned, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. Once he tests, I'll make sure I update them right away, and you will have the new Dalton Kincaid RS grade. And even without it, he still comes out as gold, which is pretty impressive. Now, after that, we have a personal favorite of mine, Darnell Washington. This is as low as I can get on Darnell Washington. I'm open to having this highest tight end one. I've been bullied into lowering him down my rankings, and that's because he is such a tough comp. He's a tough tight end to find comps for. But there's a lot to get excited for. He has rare athleticism at 6'7", 264 pounds, runs a 4'6", 440. He's probably going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. His agility score also isn't listed here, but his agility score was insane. Or not his agility score. He did the shuttle, but he didn't do the three cone. So it's an incomplete agility score. But he had like an all-time time in the shuttle. Maybe at Georgia's Pro Day, he runs the three cone. I kind of doubt it, but if he does, that'd be pretty sweet just for us nerds to fill out our spreadsheets. Um... But it's tough because he has, you know, a a minus film or his his draft capital should be like late first, early second. Size speed a plus again, four six four forty at a two hundred sixty four pounds, absolutely insane athlete. And then we get a C for production. He didn't produce well. All he has to go off of is his his receiving mark. Like I think that he only had in his final year like 300 yards and two touchdowns or something pretty, pretty ugly. And that's partially because he's buried on that depth chart behind guys like uh, Brock Bowers is going to be the tight end one next year. And because he's asked to run block a lot. Now, in terms of his comps, like if we're looking at his comps here, like Greg Olson, uh, Jimmy Graham, Brad Cottom, who I don't even know who Brad Cottom is. Uh, Again, it's really tough to find comps for him. The only guy that I'd be comfortable actually comping him to on this list would be Martellus Bennett. I think that's actually a really, really solid comp, though I think uh, Darnell Washington is actually much more agile than Martellus Bennett, but just in terms of just a big, freaky athlete, I think Martellus Bennett would have been better than he was in the NFL uh, if he came out a little bit later than he did. Like, 2008 is really far back. They weren't using tight ends the same way they are now. And then he was also, like, kind of a knucklehead off the field. Like, remember, he started a, a fight with the Bears. Uh but, you know, one of those guys that's just an absolute freak at tight end, can block and catch, be a red zone threat, all of that. But the issue with Darnell Washington is he run blocks a lot. He ran a route on only 50% of dropbacks for Georgia last year. 
in his best year in terms of stats was just 28 catches, 454 yards, and two touchdowns this year. But I have faith that he can develop into a pass catcher. I truly do think so. Again, we have to think of the circumstances here. Georgia has a ton of talent. They can just use Darnell Washington to block and just absolutely, like, what do you want to call it? Like, almost just bulldoze the way for, you know, their stable of running backs they have, the passing game they have going on. It probably just didn't make – they probably didn't really need him to do much, you know, to go on to win national championships. And I think it's also worth noting, you know, guys like George Kittle, guys like Gronkowski have been elite tight end assets in fantasy while also still being among the league's best tight ends in run blocking, like real difference makers in run blocking. Does, does that get annoying sometimes with Kittle where, you know, Kittle will have games where he just run blocks a ton and doesn't, you know, give you points? Yes, but he's still a top five tight end for like the past, like, what, four years has been a top five tight end in dynasty for about as long maybe it lowers the ceiling but when we're talking about a guy like darnell washington you're getting in like what the mid-second of rookie drafts i'm fine if he you know surpasses your oj howards and your noah fans and he's like held back by his blocking i will take that l all day long now i think it's also important to note a guy like george kittle in his final year at iowa he only ran around on 59 percent of the dropbacks. That's not far off of the 50% that Washington was at. Kittle was used to, to block a ton. And there's just sometimes, you know, schools will ask you to do different things than an NFL team might. I think that that's kind of what we were looking at with George Kittle. I think Noah Fant was on that team while George Kittle was there. He was used as more of a blocker and kind of this run scheme. I think the similar thing for Georgia, especially being next to Brock Bowers, who's an elite receiving tight end. But I think something to hang your hat on with Darnell Washington is that yards perception is that upside. I can't stress enough how insane a 17.2 yards per reception is for a 265-pound man, 6'7". He moves. It's dot. It's yards after the catch. This is a guy. This is no Mike Gusecki. This is somebody who is actually using their athleticism in games. This is in the SEC as well that he's putting just absolutely crazy splash plays up on these guys. And again, we want those big play tight ends. We want Wallers. We want Gronks, Mark Andrews, George Kittles, Kyle Pitts. He is not a fake big play guy. He does not need 100 catches in a season to give you a good fantasy output. So he's really interesting. He literally has the second highest yards perception among all gold tight ends in my database behind literally just Darren Waller. He makes big plays, which is huge. He's not just a combine warrior like a Mike Gusecki at the bottom of this list. And he really pops out versus guys like Musgrave and Kincaid and Michael Mayer. He has an elite yards per reception, which is a really, really positive indicator when we take into account that his production, his counting stats and all that don't flash as much. So he has all the upside in the world. He could just be shunned to perma blocker status where he is never running enough routes to be to matter in fantasy, or he could rise to the top and be this, you know, freak with a ton of upside. There's a huge, huge range, and I don't think you have to pay a dummy amount to see what happens, because I think he's probably going to go, what, like second round of rookie drafts, like mid-second in tight end premium. I'm cool taking that bet when we're looking at a gold tight end in Darnell Washington versus like a bunch of silvers and bronze. Um, I'll take that swing on Darnell Washington. Now, our next tight end here is going to be Sam Laporta, tight end four, and his comps come in really interesting, where this is a guy who is a silver, but still has pretty sexy comps here, where he has Gerald Everett, he has Aaron Hernandez, Trey McBride, John o. Smith, even as a bronze is pretty sexy here. And, you know, he runs sub 4'6", comes in a little bit undersized, and I believe that that's going to be like, what, 6'3", 75 inches, 6'3", 245 pounds. 
more of a move tight end. But of course, we want that. We want the guys who are going to be out in routes, running routes. And I really do think my strategy at tight end this year is going to kind of just be let others take Michael Mayer in the late first. I think if you, if you asked me like a month ago before I made this model, uh, I would have been like, you know, Mayer's head and shoulders above everybody else. But I, I just don't think like tight end is so unpredictable. I just don't think it's worth buying him early, Michael Mayer. I just don't think so. I think you could get a, a cheaper price later on. I think there will be buying opportunities, and I think that you can just get the cheaper options. Also, Dante Kincaid, if he tests well, he'll also be on my radar. Now, Laporta is a stud. I have him projected as a third-round guy here. Uh, I think after his combine, which he absolutely crushed, like we can see here, A-size speed, A-minus agility, went absolutely insane. Uh, what a, Like 9.26 RAS, a relative athletic score. If he gets the second round or higher, he'll be a gold. So I'm essentially treating him as a gold at this point. But again, even without being gold, his comps are very, very good. Uh, and he gives you A-plus production like your Michael Mayer, like your Dalton Kincaid. He's much cheaper. He ran a 4.6. He's athletic. He really has everything besides projected draft capital and a good Lanzier line grade. His Lanzier line grade isn't great. It's at 6.12 right now. Sub 6.2. At his tight end 10 is pretty rough, but I think he probably gets a boost after the combine. I'll have to check back and upgrade my Lanzier line scores. Uh, again, it's not like the biggest of big red flags. Like, it's just Lanzier line's great. His draft capital is still fine. He's still super athletic. It's not the end of the world. Again, he'll probably still be gold anyways when he goes uh, round two. Really, the only red flag I have with Laporta is he is a freak athlete. He runs a 4.640, uh, but his yards perception is 11.7. So he is not a big play guy. He is really similar to Michael Mayer, even though he tested really well. So that is something that is a little bit scary with him. But I don't mind taking him as like the arbitrage Michael Mayer where you just take him a round later than you would uh, a Michael Mayer with the same kind of production outlook, the same kind of play type, a little bit more athletic. So I don't mind Sam Laporta. He might end up as my tight end five, though. Uh, I'm starting to come around in this next guy, which we have Luke Musgrave at tight end five. I can't stress enough. All of these guys, assuming Laporta goes round two, We'll have five gold tight ends in this class. I don't think we've had, like, if I look back at my RS grades, I think that the only class that sticks out like that is 2017 with, uh, I think it was like Ingram and Njoku and OJ Howard. <coughs> Even then, it's still tough. This is a really, really deep tight end class. I sound like a broken record probably, but again, like, I just wouldn't pay up for tight end one when all these tight ends are very solid looking prospects. So Luke Musgrave is tough to wrestle with in terms of his, uh, his comps. Because he comes in here, runs a 4.61, comes in as a freak athlete, 253 pounds, great speed score, A size speed, uh, 7.8 would put him at what, 6.6, 250 pounds, like he is an absolute monster to look at. The issue is that he's kind of similar to Darnell Washington and that his production is C, right? So it's almost a stretch to compare him to guys like Kobe Fleener, who had a B production. It's a stretch with Gary Barnage, who had a B minus production. By the way, Gary Barnage. Agility score, 11.15, A agility. A guy who came out of nowhere, really agile tight end, Gary Barnage. Uh, but I'll be targeting him. If he's going to go like a, a tier behind, you know, your uh, mayor and your Kincaid, then I'm very interested. Really, again, the pushback here is the Darnell Washington thing. This is his production. This is him at Oregon State for four years. He was there for four years, and he scored just two touchdowns. His best season was 22 catches, 304 yards, and a touchdown. That is really tough. I will say, to his benefit, in two games last year, he went crazy. You know, 11 for 169 and 1 is, like, matching what he did as a sophomore. Still not great. Uh, 
it's really tough. And he doesn't have the excuse of like dominant blocker, you know, where he's in line a ton of the time or that he was playing next to Brock Bowers. He's playing at Oregon State in the Pac-12. So these stats are tough. So things get a little bit tricky, but there's a ton to love outside of the stats. And we know counting stats are just 6% of the model. He's tight in one for Lance Zierlein. He's pretty much a lock to go round two, if not round one. He tested really, really well. His yards perception isn't amazing, amazing, but it's still pretty dang good. Like if we look at, uh, that's Lance line grade, which as you can see, Luke Musgrave at the top. I do think that he updated it and put him more at like 6.44, which doesn't really matter a ton for us. But we look here and Luke Musgrave is at 13.5 yards perception, which is much better than like an 11.5, 12. At least he... He's not in the elite A-plus range in terms of yards perception, but he's pretty damn good there, uh, which is important. So he is very much a like black box, like just a 6'6", 253-pound, 4'6'1", freak tight end. That is really exciting. But as you can see, when we're trying to like shoehorn the production stat in, it's tough to find good comps for him. Uh, so he's kind of a little bit of an outlier. He looks like Darnell Washington. But I think I'm still down to bet on that because, again, I don't think production like matters a ton. If you if you did this or if you looked at, you know, like we just did, the raw stats for a guy like Travis Kelsey uh, or a guy like Darren Waller, like a lot of these guys in college didn't put up, you know, like crazy production numbers. So you can kind of talk yourself in there, uh, especially if he didn't get hurt in that final season. Maybe he would put up better production numbers. But in terms of what we look for with draft capital athleticism, he fits the bill. He fits as gold. So. Again, this top five, they're all gold. In terms of my strategy with tight ends this year, I think I'll just be taking the guys who are in that cheapest tier that are all gold, and I'll just be taking, you know, we are, we, this is a very, very strong draft class in terms of uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks. I'm not going to be passing up on any of those profiles for your Michael Mayers. Um, so I'll just be waiting, whether that's mid-second, late-second, to take a stab at any of these other guys. Now, that is going to do it for us today. Another damn near 45-minute on-the-dot video. As always, if you enjoyed and you want to see the RS grades for yourself, I have them on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. You can get all of my RS grades. I actually also just released, uh, I was supposed to do the dynasty rankings, but I instead released rookie rankings so you can see where I have all of these tight ends ranked in terms of if I was on the clock in a rookie draft, my 101, all the way through my 412. That's live, Superflex tight end premium. My dynasty rankings will be updating probably in the next like couple weeks or so. Uh, a ton of stuff going on in the Patreon, rankings, prospect modeling stuff exclusive channels where you can like ask me about my process, ask me about the grading stuff, ask me about trades for your team, Debbie stuff. If you're a sicko as well for like higher up tiers where I've done the RS grading system for guys like, uh, who are some names on the top of the dome? Uh, of course, Brock Bowers, uh, Jaheim Bell is kind of sexy. Uh, who else is next year that I'm trying to think of, but I think it's really just Jaheim Bell, but there are some fun guys. Uh, the class after that, Jaleel Skinner is fun as well. Uh, so there's a lot to like, a lot of cool stuff going on there. Patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. And if not, subscribes, likes, all of that. Do a ton for your boy during this time of the year. Feel free to leave a, leave a comment. I love looking forward to like any of your questions you guys have on the model or just like tight ends in general. Again, I cannot stress enough. I keep saying this. Very new. This is a very new model. It's super tough to try and grade out tight ends. I'm going to improve on it next off season. So this is very much, you know, like Mach 1.0. Um, and we're going to continue to try and improve on. I'm also curious if you guys have any suggestions as well, like stats that maybe I didn't consider or stats that I should look at at tight end. Tight end's very tricky, man. There's some stats out there where, again, like, go look at Jason Morrow and what he did in school. I'm trying to think of another guy like Jason Morrow, but, like, production just, it's not the end-all, be-all. Like, if you sorted by career receiving yards leaders, 
among college tight ends, it probably wouldn't do anything crazy for you. Remember, Antonio Gates, one of the greatest tight ends, Jimmy Graham, didn't even play football in high school. So, like, what are you supposed to do with that? You know what I mean? Um, so it's crazy. Like, tight end, I, I truly, truly from doing this, I realize, like, tight end, like, no matter what anyone tells you, maybe we shouldn't have even been as, as high on Kyle Pitts as we are, you know? None of these tight ends are sure things. The path to being an elite tight end is, like, weird, and you could be a day three pick that didn't produce at all and still, like, somehow be amazing. It's really weird, man. So that's kind of the lessons I learned from making this tight end model. I at least really like where it's at, where if if we can't find the elite ones, just give me a tier of guys that might hit, and I'll just take the cheapest options, and then we'll kind of work from there in improving the tight end model. So that is me droning on even more about this. As always... I will see y'all in the next one. Oh. I got the juice. I got the juice. Chano, chat, I'm zone. Foolies, glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of bomb. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.